Today's episode is proudly sponsored by Aquaphoenix Scientific. Aquaphoenix, a manufacturer of test kits, reagents, and chemical feed and control equipment. Additionally, they are a distributor of thousands of products for top industry brands for the industrial water treatment market, making them the true one source for literally anything you might need. Folks, how many purchase orders do you need to write in order to get everything you need for your field test kit? Well, with Aquaphoenix, that is just one call to them, one purchase order, one shipment, and you can have everything you need from all the different manufacturers. Give the fine folks at Aquaphoenix a call today or visit them by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash APS. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. I'm Trace Blackmore, the host of Scaling Up H2O, hopefully your voice to the water treatment industry. And I hope that over this past year, you have grown as a professional water treater. Also know that there's a lot of people out there that listen to me that aren't in the water treatment industry. So for you, I hope you have grown as well. One of the goals that I have on each and every show is to try to give you a little nudge to do something different so you can get better. So you can wonder about something that maybe you weren't wondering about before. And because you're wondering about it, you're able to go find out more information, information that you did not have before you started wondering about whatever it was that you were wondering about. So I hope we have a complete nation out there of wonderers and you're taking that wonder and you're making yourself better one day at a time. And speaking of days, it is just hard for me to believe that we are almost out of days this year. This show is airing on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas, everybody. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday. I hope you all are wrapping up your 2021 in the best way possible. I hope you are with friends and family, and I hope you're thinking, what are the things that I need to take from this year? What has life taught me this year so I can apply it next year? I also know if you are a listener of the show, you know each and every year I talk about goal setting. I talk about how do we make ourselves better this year. So stay tuned for upcoming episodes where I am sure to do that again. Always wonder, is that an episode that everybody appreciates? And I get so many people that come up to me at events and thank me for doing shows like that because apparently it does motivate everybody. I'm just giving you a little glimpse into some of the things that I do each and every year to make sure that I am growing and I am very fortunate that you all enjoy hearing what I do for myself, sharing that with all of you. And I have to say, sharing what I know with all of you really makes me better at what I know and what I do. The fact that I'm able to explain it allows me to understand the information that I think I know 
even better. And whenever you're trying to teach information that you think you know, and there is a reason I'm saying think you know it, when you change your perspective from somebody who thinks they know the information to somebody who has to teach the information, it changes everything that you think you know about that particular topic. Because now you are the perceived expert. You are the person that has to answer the questions as you're teaching it to somebody else. This was something that was taught to me at a very early age. If you want to truly master material, and I am of the belief that I don't think you ever master everything in water treatment. There's just so much out there. There's so much to learn, but to get a better grip on the things that you do know or that you need to know, whenever you learn something new, put yourself in the situation where you are responsible to teach that to somebody else as quickly as possible. Whenever somebody goes to an event, a training event, and uh, especially people that send people to a training event, and they're worried if those people are going to utilize those resources that are being spent on them wisely by going to this training event, and specifically I'm talking about an owner sending a team member to a training event, if you're ever worried that they're not going to pick up everything that they should, invite them to teach the team something that they learned when they get back. I promise that will immediately shift the mindset. And if nobody's asking you to do that and you are just attending an event, I want you to volunteer for that. I want you to say, I really appreciate you sending me to this event. And to show my appreciation, to show you how serious that I am taking your investment in me, I want to teach a group of people something that I learn at this event. Trust me, if you have that conversation with whoever your supervisor is, they are not going to think twice if you ask to go to something in the future. It's a win-win for everybody. Well, I hope that gives you a glimpse into the mindset that I have about the knowledge that I've acquired over my career and continue to acquire. Well, there's so many people out there that have that same attitude, the attitude that a rising tide raises all ships, that if I teach you something, I didn't take away from me, I just added to everybody. And then if you reciprocate by adding more knowledge back to me or somebody else, that's how we get that raising tide. So it's with that introduction that I want to move into our interview. My lab partner today is James McDonald. James, I love it when you come on the Scaling Up H2O podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Trace. Thanks for having me on again. How are you doing? I'm doing great because you are here. James, we have done so much together this year, in previous years. I'm hoping we could spend today talking about some of those things, maybe giving a little teasers if anything's going to happen into the future, and just catch up a little bit. Sounds good to me. 
James, you do so much for the water treatment industry. And I know there are people out there that are thinking, why on earth would somebody give away all of that information? Why don't they just keep it for themselves so they're not giving it to their competitors? People aren't using that person's information against them, possibly to get the same business. Why do you do it? I think what you say quite often is really the reason why we both do it. A rising tide rises all boats. And also, I just was thinking this week as well, I heard someone say there's no I in team where there's no I in water, but there is a we. You know, there's a W-E in water. And so we're all in this together. And any way we can help make this profession more reputable, more honorable, have people have passion for it, you know, the, the better it is for all of us. And we're not building up our competition. We're, we're building up our profession. We're building up our future coworkers. We're, we're building up our future, you know, folks I serve on committees with and what have you. It really is a team approach. I love that answer. We're not building up our competition. We are building up our industry. And folks, if we don't have an industry, what's it all for? Exactly. James, how did you get into this mindset? Did you just start on day one saying, I'm going to give everything I can to this profession, or did you build to it? I'm glad you asked that because there I have two stories that kind of build into why I do these things. One is, you know, I, I grew up in a small town in Kentucky. And um, I grew up on land that's been in my family for 170 years. And I got family all over the place, more cousins than what, what I could count. And I knew my grandparents, my great-grandparents, even knew a couple of my great-great-grandparents. And I remember some of my fondest memories of growing up are going to visit those grandparents and how they would share their knowledge with us. And whether you want to list or not, they would share their knowledge about farming and gardening and, and, and construction or whatever they, they knew about, hoping that whatever we learned you know, from them would make us better as well. And so I took that and I never forgot that, how freely they shared their knowledge out there. And they had passions for the things that they did. And the second story out there is um, my dad, he's retired now, but he, he owned a cabinet shop. And he, when I was little, he worked for a cabinet maker. Then he started his own cabinet shop and he built it right behind our house. So I grew up with my dad always home, basically. You know, I, I, was, I was lucky in that way. And I remember one day this young man came to my dad and he said, hey, I'm interested in learning how to build cabinets, but I want to start my own cabinet shop company. Would you teach me? And my dad could have easily said, no, I don't want the competition. No, I don't want to give you all my secrets. But that never even crossed his mind. My dad knew that, that the market was big enough for the both of them. And he said, sure. And that guy, I remember him showing up early. I remember him working late. And I don't remember how long he did this, but he did it for quite a while. He learned the tricks of the trade. He learned how to make cabinets, how to run a cabinet business. And he went and started his business on the other side of town. And yet he and my dad stayed friends until now, you know, they're, they're both still alive. And my dad never lost business because of that. You know, he knew the market was big enough for the both of them. And he, my dad liked what he did and he shared what he did freely. And those two lessons stuck with me as I grew up as well and what I do now and sharing what, what we do. And there's not a whole lot of secrets on what we do, Trace. You can find so much of this in books online, but... 
it just keeping it out there in front of us constantly is what you and I do. We're always pushing it, pushing it out there on a very consistent basis. So the way I was raised and the sharing and, and giving um, freely, you know, I don't get give away our trade secrets in my company or anything like that. You know, I, I do have a line, but at the same time, you know, I have a passion for this. And I, I do think if I had been a lawyer, if I'd been a doctor, a dentist, a shoe salesman, if I, if, if whatever I'd been, I probably would have had the exact same passion for what I do now. And I probably would have had social media pages out there posting the greatest piece of garbage I found or the best case, you know, I won, what have you. I would, I would have done the exact same thing. And maybe that, that is the lesson I learned better than, than anything is to like what you do, have passion for what you do and share what you do. And that's what I do. James, I think what you did was start a movement. I think that when water traders came together, they were always suspicious of each other and they might have given a little bit, but it was always with the intention of what they were going to receive. And you came to the water treatment industry and you started working through LinkedIn. Tell us a little bit about that, because I think that changed the entire landscape of how we now communicate with each other the way you just described. Well, LinkedIn, I started that back in 2011. I'd been on LinkedIn before that, but one day I was thinking, what is the power of LinkedIn? So I started thinking really hard about it. And so I made my my profile very complete because back then you had a rating and I wanted 100%. I couldn't get the 100%. I finally figured out I needed referrals to get the 100%. So I have a very complete profile and trying to achieve that 100%. But at the same time, I saw the groups out there and I was reading the groups. So many of them were just advertisement after advertisement after advertisement. They were boring and, and they weren't engaged. So I wanted to to change the paradigm of those groups. And I did. I thought instead of letting these people ask the questions, I'm going to ask the questions and I'll let them answer if they want to. And to my surprise, they answered. And to my surprise, they've answered from across the world. And as I do the industrial water treatment group, you know, I have people in well over 100 countries answering these questions. I know I have people who kind of wait for the next one out there because our job, we're kind of like Lone Rangers out there. Many of us are, not not all of us are, but many of us are. And, and like your show is a voice for them to listen to each day. My question of the day was something that, that kind of connected our global community so that people from opposite corners of the world could talk to each other and at each other at times and listen to each other as well. I've shared this on the podcast before. You were the first person that I called when I was thinking about starting Scaling Up H2O. And the reason I did that is because of what you just described. You paved the way so we could have a podcast. I think if I started the podcast and you didn't do what you had done previously on LinkedIn, I don't think people would have been ready for it. I don't think the pumped would have been primed. So I really think that you are just as responsible for this podcast as I am and you pour into this podcast almost as much as I do with ideas and segments. So from the bottom of my heart and for everybody in the Scaling Up Nation, I want to thank you for that because you help this podcast be the best that it can be. Well, Trace, thank you very much. Honestly, I never thought of that connection before. So it's nice of you to make it, but we, we feed off of each other. Your popularity and what you do verbally out there 
audibly out there. And then what I do out there and all the other social media platforms, they, they play off each other very well. We help complete the picture, but it doesn't mean that there's not room for others out there to find their puzzle piece to help complete this picture as well. James, I will say it's definitely more fun to be able to collaborate on ideas about this show with somebody. And I get so many comments when I go to an AWT event or another like organization event where people have questions about how you come up with some of the things that you come up with. So I thought I'd take a moment to maybe ask you some of the questions that I've received about James McDonald. Okay. A little scared, but let's do it. <laughs> so we're, we're going to talk about James's challenge. And of course, that's the challenge that we're doing each and every week this year. But a repeated question I get quite a bit is how do you come up with the challenges? You know, I'm an engineer, so I'm, I'm very visual in my head. And when I sat there to come up with the challenges for, for each of the weeks, I picture myself out in the field. And to be honest, I don't carry a test kit anymore. I'm more in the office, but you know, all the years I was out there and I know that the people who I stand on the shoulders of or on the backs of really are the people out there running the pinks and blues every day. They're the ones within my company who, who pay my paycheck. They are the ones who, who listen to my, my voice out there every day. So I, I know that they, they are the number one audience I'm speaking to. So I, I picture myself in the various plants, in the various areas I have been in my career. And as I'm walking through the plant, I'm looking at that boiler, I'm looking at that cooling tire, I'm looking at the operators, I'm looking at that log book, I'm looking at the plume, and I visualize all this in my head. And I'm remembering my mentors and what they pointed out to me. And so it's a very visual thing for me. And it's, it, it's really a walk down memory lane when I think about when I first started the industry as well. And, and I'm looking at not just the technical aspects, I'm thinking about the people as well. So one of my favorite James's challenges I did was one of the first, and it was writing handwritten notes. Because I learned the value of that very early on, when, because I like to write handwritten notes, notes to people. And it was Christmas time. And my company was big on not handing out novelties and trinkets. We're like, you know, we're there for our value. We don't need these trinkets to show our value. So we never had trinkets. And I had writ handwritten all my Christmas cards to all my customers. And as I walk into one of my customers, he's in his cubicle and his counters are filled with cookies and tins and all these other things he got from all of his vendors. But he, I walked in, he had a big smile for me. We, we speak a bit and he said, James, I want to tell you. And he walked up and grabbed my card off his cubicle wall. And he said, your personal heartfelt handwritten card means more to me. And he took his hand and just moved it across the entire selection of cookies and things he had. He said, means more to me than all of this. And that right there taught me what it means to handwrite someone something. We don't write people. We email them, we text them, but to take the time. And my handwriting's horrible. It's getting more horrible the, the less I write. But when we take the time to make that connection, it means something. And I have written all these cards out to people over the years. And every now and then I get a card back. And when I get that card back, it reminds me as well what that meant to that person, because that card back meant a lot to me as well. And the smallest things can mean everything to a person. I have to say that was my favorite challenge as well. You sent me a card. I sent you a card. And because of your prompting, I received dozens of cards that week. 
It was amazing. And I've kept every single one of them. And whenever I think I don't have time to do a recording or to plan the schedule for the the next couple of months, because I've got all these other things that actually do pay the bills going on, I look at those cards and I'm like, no, this is helping the industry, which is ultimately helping everything else. So I want to thank you for sending that challenge out there. It allowed me to thank some of my mentors, many of which I've had on the show and I've done on the air, but there's just something about when you put pen to paper and people receive that card and they know that you could have sent a quick email, but you didn't. You took the time, you wet inked the envelope, you stamped it, you took it to the mailbox and then it came to them. All of that just wraps up into, I appreciate you. Yes, it does. And I'm like you, I keep mine as well. And I've had people who have been studying for their um, CWT and have told me that they kept that card on their cork board as inspiration. And and that, you know, they, they called me up and told me that. And, they, and that means a lot to know that one word, one, one little small word like that can inspire someone in that way. That's very humbling to know that someone thought that much about it. Jace, you brought up the certified water technologist, and I'm sure you get comments like this as well, but people will come up to me and they'll thank me for them getting their CWT. And I'm always so humbled by that. And I will immediately say, that was all you. You did all the heavy lifting with that. And they'll say, well, you inspired me. You did this. You did that. How do you thank them for that. Because I, I don't want to ever take something away from somebody's achievement that's as huge as getting the certified water technologist. And I appreciate them thanking me for it. But again, they did all the heavy lifting. They did. They did. And actually, I've always had a hard time wondering how to take that as well. And you did an episode last year, I think, where you talked about the same thing. When folks come up and thank you for something, you know, you're like, how do I, how do I handle this? Thank you or the praise they give you for your show, what have you. And you, ha- you made a very good point in that it means something to that person to thank you. And you need to acknowledge that it means something to them to thank you for that. It's, it's part of their emotional journey and getting that as well. And if they see you or they see me or whomever, as part of the, that journey, you know, I, I graciously listen to and, and accept and thank them for, for what they, they, they said to me, but also just like you, remind them that really all the brains behind it was them, all the motivation behind it was them. If I had a small part to play in that, I am happy for it, absolutely, and thank you for telling me. It makes my day. Well, I appreciate that. I said that for my own well-being. I want to make sure that I'm always handling that properly. I look at what we do as we are casting pebbles into a body of water. And we don't know where those ripples are going to land, but people will take those ripples and they will do something with it. And when somebody does thank me or thank you for getting their CWT, I just visualize those ripples going out. And that's how that person used it. I do too. And pay it forward. Absolutely. I love that. Now, this is my favorite question that so many people ask me. They want to know, do you play the guitar in the intro to James's challenge? Uh, I so wish I could say yes to that. I wish I was musically inclined, but no, 
I do not. All I can say is no, but thank you for the compliment for having the, that kind of faith in me. But no, <laughs> I do not. <laughs> so with that, what would you say is the reason that you decided to do James's challenge this year? Well, back in beginning of 2020, I had wanted to increase my knowledge of industrial water treatment. So in 2020, I did a Reading with James series. And because I was like, I want to read more. And so I had a goal to read more. I was like, well, why don't I take others on this journey with me? So um, I posted every week a free article I would find online that I thought was useful and informative. And I shared my reading with James journey for an entire year. Had a great response from it. Um, Folks seemed to like it. I enjoyed doing it. But also, you know, I I think a year is long enough for a theme like this. You know, I want to keep it fresh. So when, when New Year's came around for 2021, I was thinking, you know, what next? And I forget exactly how you and I had connected on on this, Trace. I don't know if I reached out to you or you reached out to me or what have you, but I came up with, you know, why don't I pose a challenge each week, something in a dust water treatment out there. And so we came up with the um, with James's challenge. And so, you know, I, I came up with, with the list we went through. I recorded my, my segments. I made my memes to post online. So it, it came out of my reading with James, but it came out of wanting to share it. And you were you you were graceful enough to allow me to share it on your show as well. So I really appreciate that. And the other thing too, you know, I had a reading with James. I had James's challenge. You know, I either had the world's largest ego in naming all of this after me, or at the same time, when I thought carefully about this name, and I thought carefully about so many of our guys out there being on the road alone, and I thought, you know, being able to personalize these things means a lot. Hearing Trace's voice in your head in the car, you know, once a week or whatever, it means a lot. And so I attached my name to it to personalize it. You got another fan out there who's a super fan of what you guys all do, James and Trace. And so that's, you know, more, more than ego. That's why my name is attached to what, what I did with Reading with James and James's Challenge. Well, I'm glad you shared that. I didn't realize that. And that does mean so much when people see me at a conference and they come up to me, they instantly start talking to me as if we have been friends for years. And it's the first time we've ever met in person, but I have been riding along with them side by side to every one of their accounts for the last four plus years. And you're right, there is so much personalness that goes out uh, to that person and they're not alone anymore. Nope, they're not alone anymore. It means a lot. You know, I knew you before your podcast, but I had a had a similar experience. We we were doing a recording at a marketing firm we work for, and there's this guy who narrates so many of their videos, and I've heard his voice so so many times. So when I came there to work with him to narrate with our video, I was talking to him like I knew him forever, but yet I could kind of see him looking at me out of the corner of his eye because that was the first time he'd ever met me. And then all of a sudden hit me. So I explained to him why, you know, I was like, I feel like I've known you forever. And he's like, you know, I get that all the time because I hear his voice so much. And it's a great honor. It really is. Mm -hmm. Yes. James, we're wrapping up 2021. Are we going to hear from James in 2022 on Scaling Up H2O? The whole Scaling Up Nation wants to know. Well, like I said, I like to do one-year stints on these themes, and so we are winding down um, James's challenge, and so there will be a last episode. It's already recorded and waiting for you, but there's something in the works for 2021, 
And I'm not going to say yet, but you will soon hear it. Well, let's shift gears on that. A cliffhanger, I have never heard a better one. We'll have to wait and see. Let's shift gears to Industrial Water Week. You love our industry so much, you decided that, gosh darn it, we need a holiday. And this industry is so incredibly awesome. We just don't need one day. We need an entire week to celebrate the awesomeness that is industrial water treatment. And we just celebrated our fourth year? Yes, fourth year. That's amazing. I remember when you called me saying that you were doing this. And I want to ask you, how have you seen Industrial Water Week change over the four years? Well, when I first started it, I knew it would be somewhat of an uphill battle to get people to accept it, to get people to think that, you know, this isn't just James and, and his company behind it, you know, that, to get that this, this is an open source holiday. It is our holiday. And I believe I told you from the very beginning that, and you mentioned this on one of your shows, that really, you know, this is a four to five year adoption process as to when folks start taking full ownership and really starting to engage in it. So I'm a very persistent and consistent guy. So year after year, I keep saying, Industrial Water Week, you have gone along for the ride and taken your ownership of your part of it. And I love that. And I love that it has grown to such a point that when you talk Industrial Water Week, you don't always talk James McDonald and Industrial Water Week. You just talk Industrial Water Week because it's its own entity. And I love that. And it has taken, you know, about four years, but this last year really was the most engaged ever. I mean, we had we had companies, large and small. We had people from across the world, not only just hashtagging, but sharing pictures, selfies of where they were and sharing stories or what have you of what, what they were doing. And so it was really, really fascinating to see the growth. And I just have so much hope for next year being the five-year anniversary. We can build upon the, that as well. And thank you, Trace. You know, it wouldn't have gotten anywhere near the traction if you had not dedicated a week of your time each and every year to make this happen. So thank you for being part of that. Well, it was my pleasure. And I was just amazed this year checking out all the hashtags, all the social media posts that people were doing. And, and that was affirmation that people really were getting engaged. Because it is their holiday. You know, I started the first day. I have the website, Industrial Water Week. You can learn all about it. But that's where the I ends. And like I said, there's no I in water. There's a we. And so it is truly about us. And so go out there. Use this as a reason to share with the world what you do and why you love what you do. Use this as a reason to, to share, you know, your company, what your company does. Use this as a reason to offer training. Use this as a reason to um, get your passion for this industry out there in so many, many, many ways. What's some of the feedback that people have given you on Industrial Water Week? Some of them have been so thankful to have this attention given to what they do for a living. Like, like you and I know, you're either born into it, which you were. Or you either fall into it, which I did, you know, kind of thing. And we talk to our parents and our grandparents and our aunts and uncles and, and siblings and whatever else. And they want to relate us to pool care or, or their aquarium or what have you. And so they've been thankful to have something to gather us together to celebrate. 
you know, we have your podcast. That's a gathering for us. We have the various things I've done with my Dust Water Week group or whatever. This is a time for us to celebrate because if, gosh darn it, if we can celebrate donuts, we have a donut day. We can have a pizza day. If we can have a middle child day, a potted plant day, all these other days, we can certainly have Industrial Water Week. Absolutely. That's bigger than donut, I think. <laughs> I love that. James, what are some of the ways that you've heard people celebrate Industrial Water Week? Oh my goodness! I saw there are some good ones out there, like um, folks that made cakes. You you had the water cake last year, and folks made, made cakes. Folks this year made cakes. Folks this year fitted into the, um, other company celebrations they had there. I have had folks write articles for it. I've had folks give webinars for it as well, and I've had you know one great guy even do a podcast a day on it as well. I don't know who that could be. <laughs> But yes, so many different ways. And I, I just love it when they just comment on things that, that are posted out there, tagged with, with Industrial Water Week, and they just comment with their experience out there. And Careers Friday may actually be my favorite day of all of it, because that's when you hear people's stories. That's when they start sharing how they were born into it or fell into it or what have you. And, that, and that's really interesting. I really like hearing the personal side of what we do. James, one of my favorite things to do, and I'm not a big social media guy, but I love to go on LinkedIn and see what James has concocted in his next cartoon. I have to ask, how do you come up with all of that? Well, all these years I've been in, in the industry, I kind of have a, a dry sense of humor at times, but all these years I've been in the industry, I've seen all these funny things and I never had a venue to share these funny things other than one-on-one laughing at them or whatever. And at the beginning of, of the pandemic, I was looking for things for my daughter and my son and I to do. And my daughter is really good at, at art. And I was like, well, why don't we draw cartoons together? So I found this YouTube channel um, that kind of gave a lesson on drawing cartoons. And so we drew these Superman looking cartoons. And, and I was like, you know, that wasn't so hard. And my daughter had done these various cartoons on her own. So I was like, well, let, let me see what kind of characters I can come up with. And then I was like, and my very first one was talking about how not, not all heroes wear capes. And I was talking about how capes get, you know, burned and chemicals spilled on them and call around pump shafts and all this stuff. And I showed from behind of this water treatment professional carrying his lab kit, boiler in the background behind him. And he has this tattered cape on him with the tagline, you know, not, not all heroes wear capes. And so I started there with wanting to celebrate what we do. And then I realized, you know, I got all these other thoughts that I think are funny. Hopefully other people will think are funny as well. And I, I guess they do. Um, I enjoy watching to see how much attention they get. Some of them that I think are hilarious don't get as much attention as ones that uh, that I wonder, really, are they going to perform? And all of a sudden they get all this attention. You know, I can't predict really which ones will be hit and which ones won't. But I have over 60 of them now, or uh, at 70, over 70 now. And you can find them all on my industrialwaterscience.com forward slash fun website. That's where they come from out the back of my head from all these years in the industry. And I laugh at them. I hope other people do. <laughs> I will be honest, a couple of them I have to think about, but then I'll eventually get them. But it, you are extremely talented. And so many people wonder, you're doing so much. How do you have the time to do it? Of course, I have a full-time job. And I don't do these things during my full-time job. But I do have these things in the back of, of, of my mind. And of course, you know, part of my full-time job is I'm our director of technology and marketing. So I have a marketing group and that, and I keep that 
segregated from what I do personally as well, because that's company marketing. Myself, I'm marketing our profession. That's what I see. A lawyer would market his profession, a doctor, his profession, me as industrial water treatment professional. I find ways to celebrate our profession. And I, I do this you know, at night as I'm sitting on the couch. I have my iPad. I have a software drawing program called Procreate. I have my, my Apple Pencil there. And I just start drawing or I just start making my next meme or I, or, or I have I open up Notepad. I have this whole list of notes I keep there. And on Saturday mornings is usually when I end up recording a podcast segments for you as well when the family's all asleep. Other people play golf. I don't play golf. Uh, other people have other hobbies, you know, after I had kids, my kids for my hobby seemed like, I don't know what I did before I had kids, but just letting this passion for industrial water week spill forth from my body is my hobby. You really do so much. I have a favorite though. I love everything that you do, but I definitely have a favorite. I am the biggest fan of detective H2O. So I want to ask you a couple questions around that. How did you come up with the idea to do this 1950s noir-based detective character that was an industrial water treater? You know, it, the, the story kind of reminds me of the journey of The Simpsons, actually, because The Simpsons started off as just a segment on The Tracy Ullman Show. And so this concept started off as just a little tiny segment at a company I worked at before. We had a newsletter. And actually, my book, Drop by Drop, came from all those articles I had written in that newsletter. But there's a little segment in there where sometimes I'd go off on this noir, almost sometimes superhero kind of language in that little bitty article right in the corner. And I really don't know how people responded to it or not. No one like ever even mentioned it. But then when one day I was like, you know, it kept sticking in the back of my mind. I'm like, you know, I like the whole noir take on what we do. There's all these parallels, Trace, of what we do as industrial water treatment professionals. We're detectives, we're doctors, we're mechanics, you know, there's all these things you could think about. You can even say we're chefs because we're we're cooking up all these ingredients and whatever out there, you know. I mean there's all these ways out there. So I was like, you know, I I want Detective H2O. This is a guy, and I named him Herbert Henry Oxidane. His initials are HHO, Dr. H2O. And also, you'll see the power of three oftentimes in the writing because his phone always rings three times. And I like the power of three because there, there are three atoms in the H2O molecule. Power of three because we deal with the three phases of water. You know, there's all the power of three in water. And so you'll see that in there as well. And sometimes if you listen to the, the names of my characters, you know, I had a guy whose last name was Muriatic or muriatic acid, you know, I'll throw in things like that in there as well. But it just came from that little bitty article in this newsletter, and it grew in, into this. And you've been very nice to include my, my one-man show audio recordings we, we've done there. And yes, on a future version, I'd love to have you voice a character in there. Yes, I, yeah. there it is. Nation, you heard it. It is yeah. going to happen. And just uh, a month or two ago, I had another guy who spoke up saying, you know, if you ever want a voice, come to me. So I, I all of a sudden I have two people who I can go to for a voice. So I'm really looking forward to that. So I have another episode written. It's published out on LinkedIn, but I haven't made it into the audio version yet. So th there's one coming. James, how do you write those? What's your process? I have an Excel sheet where I, I keep my ideas. And then when it comes time to write one, I look at that Excel sheet of ideas and uh, whichever one strikes me, inspires me at the moment, 
I just start writing. I have my format usually where it starts off with my, my detective H2O. You know, it's always, almost always raining there in, in Waterville and whatever. And, and I just, I remember all these black and white movies I saw as a kid when all there were were three channels and you had to go up and, and turn the knob yourself and put the um, dial on you so you can go above channel, what, 16 or whatever it was there and just watching all these old black and white movies. And that's what comes to my head. Every now and then I'll go out and search online for some more um, language of what a detective may actually say, you know, in noir. And, you know, mine, mine's a mashup. It really is. It's not it's not pure noir. I, th- I think noir is actually far more depressing than what I make it in mind. So, so it's, it's, it's my watered down version, all puns intended of noir. <laughs> and we've mentioned a few of them, but you do so much more. You've got a website out there. Do you mind reminding the scaling up nation of those? I have um, industrialwaterscience.com out there. And I made that because I know there are people newer in our industry looking for a place to go to learn more, looking for a place to go for inspiration, perhaps. And if you visit that that website, you'll see links to various other websites, which is um, a lot of what of what it is, links to other websites that, that give you information on testing, on boilers, on cooling towers, on, on chemistry, all of that. And so I'm always looking at, at other people's websites to see, is there something I can really link to to share on that? Plus, you'll find on the, on, on the fun page, all, all my comics, you'll see that there's a detective and doctor H2O page on there as well. And you'll see um, links to uh, to the various um, trade organizations too. So just go on there, wander around. If you find a broken link, let me know, and I'll fix it. But it's just is my way of giving back to the industry to hopefully inspire people to learn more about it and to help push them along in their careers. You mentioned people that are newer in the industry, and even talking about this makes me feel old, but. That's what we're doing. We're trying to make sure that there are enough people that when you and I retire and all of our generation, that there's plenty of people that are making this industry great, that are working within this industry. So what are some of the things you think the Scaling Up Nation needs to know to make sure that we are bringing new people into this industry? Well, I think, number one, as a company... I think the management of the company needs to come to a decision to not be afraid to let the people under them, their employees, encounter these other people within the industry, not be afraid that they're going to hire them away because that's weakening our industry as a whole. When really, if we allow and encourage the networking and connections, allow them to go to the conventions and write articles or whatever else, when we allow all of this, we become stronger as a whole. And your company becomes stronger, too, because all of a sudden, um, you know, you have all this new knowledge that comes flowing into your company. So I think it starts with with the, the heads of the companies opening up the floodgates, so to speak, all puns intended as well, so that they can encourage those who work for them to reach out and to network with other people. But I'm really encouraged by by some of the of the model examples I see out there right now. You know, I'm a Gen Xer. I think you are too, Trace. I am. <laughs> yes, yes. But there are those out there right now who are shining stars. And speaking of of, of shining stars or rising stars, you know, at the last AWD convention, Lath Charles was won the very first rising star award there. I was so happy for him. He has given so much to our industry. He has written articles on his website. He has done videos based upon pumps and controllers, whatever. He's been involved in AWD, I think, training and, and presentations. So he's he's a great rising star. But there's other ones out there too. 
you just interviewed Jed Kosh out there. And Jed, you know, I, I followed his Rule of Thumb Thursday for as long as he's done it now. I'm so encouraged by this young man taking the bull by the horns out there writing. He reminds me of me in my early writing career, just writing about what inspires him at the time. And I absolutely love that. And I encourage him in all the ways I can. We have um, Chandler Mancuso. And he's presenting at, at the convention. He's he's putting himself out there. And, and Michelle Lunn, of course, we can't we, we can't forget her. Can't forget young her. one, young professional organization within the AWT, AWT. And she, you know, she doesn't have a, a technical background in water treatment. She was born into this with her father, and she, I believe, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michelle, you can call me up later. Um, has more of a marketing background, but she has has given her whole body and soul into promoting. Our profession. And I think that that's great. But it's not just folks in, in our, our country, in the U.S. You know, I see people, I have a friend in Pakistan, Muhammad um, Ishfaq. He started a WhatsApp group. And I'll ask him if he minds. Perhaps we, you can include that on the, on the show notes page as well. There's a guy in Dubai, um, Sampath Archara. And he, um, you know, he's always out there involved and commenting on others and, and, and encouraging others. And even we, we have um, Semragol, is someone from Turkey migrated here to the U.S. and she is getting involved in in our our subcommittees and she's now our pre-treatment subcommittee chair in the AWT. So we do have many many models out there of what it is to to give back in the industry and and, and to connect. So I'm really confident that um, I'm going to be learning just as much from them as they may have ever learned from me. Well, James, our industry is always talking about how do we inspire younger people into this industry, but we have all these generations that are in our industry. How do we just inspire anybody? Well, you know, we we start off ourselves, you know, individually reaching out to them. When, when we see them doing something that we like, you know, you reach out to them and you thank them and you encourage them and you encourage them to do more. And it goes on either end of our spectrum. We talk about so much of, about the young folks coming in, but we have people retiring out the other end. And these people retiring have so much knowledge. And while they may not want to be out in the field anymore, Perhaps, you know, they can they can give webinars. Perhaps they can write articles or what have you. Gene Tonetti is a gentleman I worked with very early in my career, in the first days and years of my career. And um, I noticed that after he retired, he started his, his own, own consulting company, but he was writing a blog on his webpage. And I'm like, Gene, this, this blog you're writing is so genius. All these other articles and things we see are very technical, technical, technical. While Gene can be very technical, the blogs he were writing, he's writing is very practical. I'm like, we can learn so much from this practical approach you have in your blogs. And so he started talking with AWT and the analyst. So now he writes for Tales from the Waterside, these very practical articles in there. And I think it's great. So now we have the analyst, it's a very technical presentation with a practical side to it as well. So it, it's encouraging. Folks who retire, don't retire. I once asked a question. Um, and when I say don't retire, I mean, keep giving is what I mean. I once asked the question in a poll once to my, my LinkedIn followers, do industrial water treatment professionals ever retire? And the overall consensus was no, we just slowly dissolve away. <laughs> and there's so many ways that you just sitting back in, in your lawn chair outside can give back, share your knowledge. We, we want to hear that. I want to hear that. I know many other people do as well. And, you know, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn and LinkedIn makes that so easy. It's so easy to go on LinkedIn, not just write a comment, but write an entire article. I mean, it makes it so easy. 
And, you know, who knows, one day maybe if if you even volunteered to a Trace Blackmore, maybe you'd find a room for you there as well. Reach out in all directions. James, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we are winding down this present year. And for next year, we're having to deal with raw material issues. We're having to deal with, you know, all these things that are going on within the water treatment industry. We survived a pandemic. We're still learning how to deal with all of that. What advice do you have for the Scaling Up Nation with whatever is going to hit us next year? Always keep the big picture in mind. I'm a big picture guy, and it's so easy to get lost in the details, in the crisis of the moment, these crises, which we're all in together. And never forget that, too. Big picture and that we're all in the same boat together and that things we do individually, things we do as a company can can help our industry or hurt our industry, especially as we're going into our crisis on our supply chains and what have you. If we start hoarding product, you know, we're going to hurt the other guy down the street, what have you. So it's keeping the the big picture, realize we are a community and face the details, tackle the details. But don't forget, we're here to treat water and we're here to help our customers. We're here to deliver value to them. And we may find all new ways of doing that. When the old ways may have struggles, we may have to come up with new ways and that's okay. James, my last question for you, how do the McDonald's celebrate the end of the year? What's your tradition? What do you guys do for New Year's? In the years, you know, since we moved to Texas and we moved here back in 2015, we, we don't have our, our same friendship connections we had in Ohio because we were there for 20 years. Now, you know, it is, it, it's just the four of us. We spend the four of us, my wife and my, my 13-year-old daughter who turns 14 tomorrow and my eight-year-old son. And we stay up for New Year's and because, you know, we were born in, in Eastern in the Eastern time zone and we lived there for most of our lives. We celebrate um, New Year's at 11 o'clock Texas time, which is midnight East Coast time. And it's kind of easier on the kids, too, but or at least our eight year old. But yes, that, that's what we do. It's very personal for us. James, I want to thank you for not only coming on Scaling Up H2O again, but all the things you do to help Scaling Up H2O, to help the entire water treatment industry. I truly believe that you created a movement and people are now in the habit of giving back, of talking to somebody they might've thought as a competitor before, of sharing ideas, of lightening the load for everybody. And I think that all started with you. So thank you for all of that. Well, that's very kind. Thank you, Trace. And thank you as well for being on this journey with me and with all of us. And thank you for everyone out there who gives back in all the various ways they do. We're, we're in the boat together. And as you say, a rising tide rises all boats. Or as I say, we will make this place a better place drop by drop. I always get so excited when James McDonald drops by the Scaling Up H2O podcast. I remember the day I called James, I was stuck in Atlanta traffic and I had this idea. I think I shared this several times. It wasn't really my idea. Other people told me that I should do it. And then I went to James to talk to him about starting the Scaling Up H2O podcast. I don't even know if I had a name back then. And James, without taking a breath, he said, yes, you need 
to do this. Whatever you do, you need to start doing this. And as I was going through the trials and tribulations of not even knowing what a podcast was, not too long before I had the idea of doing the podcast and learning on how to produce a weekly podcast. And of course, it wasn't a weekly podcast in the very beginning, but it very quickly morphed to that. James was there for the entire ride, and I was able to ask him questions. He was able to give me advice, and he was just such an integral part of making sure that we deliver the product that you are used to day after day. And speaking of that, James, this entire year, has been giving us James's challenge. We heard some of the behind the scenes behind James's challenge during the interview. So here is a brand new James's challenge. Hello, Scaling Up Nation. The next James's challenge as we grow as an industrial water treatment professional, drop by drop, is... Question everything and continuously learn. If this series of challenges has taught you anything, I hope it is that there is a lot to learn and experience in the world of industrial water treatment. No two days are the same. No two accounts or systems are the same. No two people are the same. Just because it's how things have always been done doesn't mean it's how it should be done. And just because it's how your predecessor did it does not mean he or she was totally correct. And even if it is correct, learning why it is correct is just as valuable. Be sure to share your experience on LinkedIn by tagging it with hashtag JC21 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O. This is James McDonald, and I look forward to seeing what you share. Well, I hope you are enjoying James's challenges. We don't have many of those left. We only have one week left in the year. So what is James going to do in 2022? I guess we are going to find out together what James has in store for us for next year. Hey, speaking of next year, I want to make sure that you have a few events on your calendar. These items that I'm getting ready to mention, they fill up each and every year, and there's always people on the waiting list. There's always disappointed people that they cannot attend. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the Association of Water Technologies Technical Training Seminars. I am so fortunate to be part of that committee And if you go to one of these technical training seminars, you will see that I have the honor of doing sales training. I also teach you water treatment math. I even do some things over in the fundamentals and applications class. I absolutely love being part of these seminars, and I hope you can be a part of these seminars too. You have two opportunities. One opportunity is going to be in Seattle, Washington, February 23rd through 26th. So if that's close to your home, make sure you sign up today by going to awt.org. Or if Cleveland, Ohio is easier for you to get to, then mark your calendars for March 30th through April 2nd. We are going to be in downtown Cleveland for our second installment of the technical training. 
We try to do two of those each year to make it easy for people to travel to where it's closer to their home. Of course, we have so many international listeners. If you're not living in the United States, it probably doesn't matter which one you go to, which city do you want to see. But I would love to see you there. And the only way I can do that is for you to grab your spot before they fill up. So go to awt.org today to go ahead and sign up. A couple of other items that you might want to put on your calendar are the Water and Wastewater Equipment Treatment and Transport Show. That's going to be in Indianapolis, Indiana, February 22nd through the 24th. And the Geowater Technology Conference, that is going to be March 21st through 23rd in Austin, Texas. And the last thing I'm going to mention is the thing I want to make absolutely positively sure that you put on your calendar, and that is our next hang. Our next hang is going to be on January 13th at 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. I love hosting the hang. It's so easy. You can just log on wherever you are on a Zoom call. We are going to have some fun things that we're going to start off the call with that I'm instantly going to put you into a couple of breakout rooms where you're going to meet your fellow water treaters. You're going to meet somebody potentially that can unlock the key to that question that you have that you haven't even thought of yet. Two months down the road, let's say in March, you see something and you remember that person you met on the hang, you can now reach out to them and you could get the advice that you need. Please do not miss the incredible opportunity that the hang is by networking and getting to know people that you would have never have run into before. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash hang to register for the January 13th hang. Nation, I will come back with you next week for some year-ending tips, and I hope to inspire you to have the best 2022 that it can possibly be. I know that you listening to this show has made my 2021 fantastic. So thank you for all that you do listening to this show week after week, for telling your friends about this show, for sharing content, for posting on social media, for leaving comments on wherever you listen to this podcast. I want to thank you for all of those things because of that we have the show that we have today. Merry Christmas. Have a great week. Take care of each other. See you next week, folks. Scaling Up Nation, if you keep doing the same things, you're going to get the same results. And that's why joining a mastermind like the Rising Tide Mastermind is a game changer in allowing you to achieve different and better results. You have an entire team that combines to help you get to where you want to go. The Rising Tide Mastermind is the catalyst to your next level of success. To find out more about the Rising Tide Mastermind, go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind.